Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today is Tuesday, December, uh, what is today? December uh, 14th. It is 1230. It's raining outside. It rarely rains in California. If you know that song by Tony, Tony, Tony. It never rains in Southern California. So they tell me. Oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to that later on. Um, but today I want to talk to you about uh, a, a couple things. One is I want to talk to you about integration versus assimilation and how to find yourself, how to, how to be your authentic self. And I'm going to talk about uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. And then I'm gonna get into a little astronomy. We're gonna we're gonna use the the physics of the world to find a way to ground ourselves. Um, and I, I will be talking about someone who has ended their life without going into into details. But I'm gonna wrap this all up in a in a nice bow for us all um, because I, I just feel like I've, I've just read a couple things in the past few days that I, it's in my heart to share with you. And, uh, and I think it's going to be of great benefit to anyone of us who are struggling out there uh, in, in a place of despair, hurt, um, or discouragement. And uh, if we're looking for some strength and some hope, this is, uh, this is the episode right here. And b- before I get into that, I want to thank you all for subscribing to the podcast and sharing it. It means a lot to me. Um, you know, this is, uh, we're past 300 episodes. And it's because of, of you showing up uh, and downloading the episodes. I really appreciate it. Really grateful for that. So I want to read from the book 365 Tao Daily Meditations by Dang Ming Dao. And today's meditation is called Illumination. Fire feeding on fire. Everyone understands that burning wood produces fire. But when fire feeds on fire, that is a rare condition that yields the greatest illumination. Two flames come together and yield light more magnificent than either could have given forth alone. In the case of community activity, this means that when one cooperates with others, the accomplishments are greater than what the individuals can do on their own. Such a situation requires a harmony that will generate ideas, inspiration, as well as momentum for growth and action. If the combinations occur properly, the results will be like fire upon fire and will illuminate the world. I want to stop there because I want to tap into and highlight where they say, This means that when one cooperates with others, the accomplishments are greater than what the individuals can do on their own. Whatever we're going through right now, we think we can go through alone. And it's not until we cooperate and collaborate and invite others into our mission, into our purpose, into our emotional sphere that we can grow. Now, as this 
caption also illuminates, we can't just be anybody. Fire with fire. So we have to make sure that the people we are, the, the ther- whether it's a therapist or a coach, um, a teacher, friend, family, whoever, a partner, whoever we decide to collaborate with, work with, to match our fire with their fire. And we might make a lot of mistakes doing that, and that's okay. But just know that if we keep working on it and we allow ourselves to make some errors, you know, maybe you've been through a divorce. I've, I've just put up a podcast about divorce and I have another one about uh, from my buddy, Chef Mac. And he's going to talk about his divorce and, and where that almost led him. And now he found strength, hope and courage. So it might require a few divorces. That's okay. But know that when your fire meets the right fire, you're going to generate a harmony and ideas and inspiration and momentum for growth and action. It's going to illuminate the world. Continuing on with the reading, sometimes the combination comes down to just two people. If two people join forces, neither sacrificing their individuality, but only lending their power to an endeavor, there will be a wonderful situation that will both benefit others and encourage greater growth in the two people as well. I'm going to stop there also. Neither If two people join forces, neither sacrificing their individuality, but lending their power to an endeavor, there will be a wonderful situation. Highlighting neither sacrificing their individuality. A lot of times when we get into relationships or we find a new job, we sacrifice so much of ourselves. We give so much of ourselves to the work, to the relationship, to our family, to our friends, to the new environment. And we're thereby diminishing our fire. We're slowing down the momentum. And a lot of times we do that because we're so excited. We're so excited about this new person, new thing, new job, new place. That we think, Yes, we should give 100% of ourselves. But remember, the momentum is gained when we are able to bring our individual selves to their individual selves and then keep going. Now, there may be times where we have to give a bit more of ourselves, but Be aware of how to get back to yourself, how to get back to your individuality. Case in point, Michelle and I have been been together for two years, and there are things that Michelle enjoys doing by herself, and there are things that I enjoy doing by myself, and we do those things. And then when we come back together and we talk and we share, we're able to enrich each other's experiences because we're, we're pulling from 
two different worlds, but weaving it into our world. And that's the importance of, if you have a job, of taking vacations, going on a sabbatical, traveling the world, so that when you come back to work, you have more ideas, a broader perspective, an expansive knowledge base to contribute to the work that you're doing. And if nothing else, to reward yourself and celebrate your wins for the hard work and effort that you've been putting in. Last paragraph. Fire feeding on fire can also mean the swift exhaustion of all energies involved. One must be careful not to lose one's own personality in any joining. The idea is integration, not assimilation. No matter what can be achieved in joining with others, it is wise to remember that we each walk this path independently. The ultimate truth of the journey and its final rewards are still for each of us to face alone. I'm highlighting that because for people who are going through breakups, who are going through a divorce, who may feel alone right now, part of your path was that you are alone so that you can explore and add fuel to your fire. And the beauty of there being 6 billion people on this planet means that no one can be alone forever. You're somebody else that you're looking for could be you. Because a lot of times we've lost ourselves in the relationship and that fear of being alone really is an opportunity to get back to yourself that you lost. And I want to highlight also from this reading where it talks about the idea is integration, not assimilation. And here's the difference. Assimilation is when immigrants come to this country, come to America, and when we ask them to assimilate, we're basically asking them to give up their cultural norms and practices and take up America's cultural norms and practices, which is not fair because there's so much richness in there and great food, let's be honest, in their cultural norms and practices. Integration is immigrants coming to America or wherever immigrants are coming from to your area, and they're able to maintain their cultural norms and practices and abide by the laws and principles of the land that they are now inhabiting. So if someone's coming from India to Africa, there are laws in India that are not laws in Africa. But if you're going from India to Africa, you're going to have to abide by the African laws. But Africa says, you know what? You can keep your religious practices and your foods and some of your other cultural norms, 
so that you can integrate into our society. So abide by our laws and principles. However, keep, for the most part, your cultural norms and practices. Now, of course, there's going to be some clashes, some overlaps, some things we may have to sacrifice. But for the most part, we can keep a semblance of our identity and cultural norms and practices. And the same thing in relationships. A lot of times we get into relationships and we just start practicing what the other person is practicing. Whoever is the most, has the more dominant personality in the relationship, we end up going along with their plans, practices, and cultural norms. There's a TV show on HBO called Scenes from a Marriage. And the couple divorces... And then the husband starts practicing Shabbat and the ex-wife is like, you never practiced Shabbat when we were married. He said, because I could tell that you weren't in the Shabbat. So I just gave it up, which is a a Jewish um, part of the Jewish culture. And so he gave up a part of himself, a part of himself that he really, that really nourished him, that fulfilled him, that was important to him to assimilate into the relationship. And then once they got a divorce, he picked it back up again. So my question is, what are you, what are you giving up to assimilate into your family, into your group of friends, into your work? And I'm asking that because I just read an article about Avicii. If you don't know who Avicii is, he is a, a Swedish DJ who in his 20s ended his life. And I want to highlight it because his father in an article said that part of why Tim ended his life is because one, he started taking drugs and alcohol so that he can perform. Uh, Avicii was uh, very shy. And so all of the the fame and the publicity was too much for him. A lot of times we think that people who are in the public eye want to be in the public eye. And we don't realize that what they really wanted to do was just create art and their art went viral and now they're in the public eye. Now they're famous and Avicii was performing in arenas. A DJ, people were buying tickets to watch him DJ in arenas. And he was a kid who just wanted to play music and create a cool vibe, but gathered a following. And now he, and then he was doing arenas and all the handshaking and photos and the parties and the publicity was overwhelming for him. And so he turned to drugs and alcohol so that he could perform. And in the article, his dad said, Vici never really wanted to be a Vici. He just wanted to be Tim. And the truth is, and, and Tim being the, the shy, quiet kid who played a couple records and his friends danced. And, and the truth is, there's, there's probably a middle ground where Avicii, where Tim 
wanted to be a Vici, wanted to grow and and have people partying and celebrating, and then also wanted boundaries around what that looked like. And the thing is, when you're a person performing in arenas and stadiums, you have a bunch of handlers. You have managers and agents and PR people and marketing and press and all these people who are pulling you in 20 different directions. Hey, can you come over here? We need you over here now. Wake up at this time. We need you to get on a plane. Go over there. Take some photos with them. We need you to uh, do a fundraiser at such and such. Can you speak out on this event? Can you take photos for my kid who's uh, dying from cancer? You're being pulled in so many different directions. And Tim, being in his 20s, gathering this fame, and was probably so grateful for the money he was making and being able to support his family, he said yes to everything. Placing boundaries and borders around nothing. And this goes back to the reading on assimilation versus integration. Yes, I will integrate into your society, into this job market, into this profession, but I will not assimilate. I will not give up my cultural norms and practices. I will not give up uh, reading books and spending time with friends and journaling and doing yoga taking time for myself, Sundays off, cooking on Tuesdays, going to church on Sundays, whatever your cultural practices and norms are that help to keep you grounded, that keep you feeling whole. Now there's a season for everything, so there might be periods where we have to give up certain things to move forward to the next thing. And that's a part of life. That's it's all a part of the cycle. But when we feel like we've had to give up something forever, that we'll never get back to our center, to our core, to our home base. That's when we start to spiral out with the alcohol and the drugs And that's when we are assimilating instead of integrating. So right now, if you're struggling with addiction, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, sex, ask yourself, are you integrating or assimilating? Are you using the drugs, food, alcohol, sex as a way of performing instead of being. The beautiful thing about rainy days is it does allow us to slow down and reflect and exhale and connect. And it's a reminder that we have to wash away the past and feel the present. Breathe in that cool air. 
Tim thought he had to pick between Avicii and himself, Tim. But really, he existed somewhere in the middle. Find your middle. Find where you are assimilating or integrating and not assimilating. I want to switch gears and talk about electroconvulsive therapy because there is an article in the New York Times uh, about electroconvulsive therapy and it's used for depression and reducing suicidality. And if you've listened to my podcast with Gary Goldman, you'll know that Gary Goldman had also underwent uh, electroconvulsive therapy and reports positive outcome. There's mixed reviews on ECT as electroconvulsive therapy is called. Some people report a loss of long-term memory, of some long-term memory. Some report a loss of short-term memory. Some report other aftershocks, meaning seizures after the or seizure-like symptoms after electroconvulsive therapy. And there's an article in the New York Times also by Heather Clark, who is writing on the book by Donald Antrim called One Friday in April. And Donald Antrim is a novelist and short story writer who published regularly in The New Yorker. But he wrestled with memories of alcoholic parents, a childhood of abuse and neglect, and failed romantic partnerships. Previous bouts of therapy and medication had not lessened his pain. After his suicide attempt, he envisioned a terrible future, poverty, abandonment by, by my remaining family members, the inability to write a work, the dissolution of friendships, professional and artistic oblivion, loneliness and deterioration, institutionalization, and the removal from society. So as you can see, Donald Antrim, who once again wrote this book called One Friday in April, and Donald Antrim attempted suicide, and when you read what he envisioned, he envisioned a terrible future. So that speaks to hopelessness and helplessness, right? Because his future was of poverty, abandonment by his remaining family members, the inability to write a work, the dissolution of friendships, and deterioration, loneliness, institutionalization. And we find this in a lot of us when we struggle with suicidal ideations in that we are envisioning worst case scenario catastrophes as in CVT they call it catastrophization or uh, in DBT they, they call it the same thing catastrophizing and that's why it's so important every day to sit down and do two things. One is write what you're grateful for. 
Because when we write down what we're grateful for, we take note for three to five things on a daily basis that we're grateful for. My mom does this all the time. When we go for a walk, she's like, thank you, God, for that walk. When we, when we sit down to eat, thank you, God, for this meal. When we finish eating, that was such a great meal. Thank you, God. Like she's constantly in a state of gratitude. And anyone who's met my mom knows that she is 70 with the spirit of a 17-year-old. And I attribute part of that to the fact that she is constantly demonstrating gratitude for what she's done, where she is, and where she's going. The other thing, the other question to ask ourselves every single day, and this is very valuable, and, and this question is the question to manage and mitigate any suicidal ideations is, what are we looking forward to? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Or what are you looking forward to today? If tomorrow seems too far, what are you looking forward to today? And if you don't have that answer, then we need to sit with it. We need to think about it. We need to write it down. And, and if we don't have that answer, to share it with somebody else. But like, wow, you know, somebody asked me, what am I looking forward to today? What am I looking forward to tomorrow? I have no idea. What are you looking forward to? So then we are generating ideas about what to look forward to. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's meeting with a friend, going to a coffee shop, buying a thing, receiving a thing, being of service to others. Maybe we're looking forward to a good night's sleep. Maybe we're looking forward to waking up early and going for a walk. I know I was looking forward to the rain today. When I saw last night that it was going to rain today, I was giddy. I was giddy like a schoolgirl. Because it never rains, and I'm in. I live in. It never rains. It rarely rains. I live in. You know, I'm from Chicago, and I love the thunderstorms and the rain, and, and I miss that so much. So it's been raining all day, and I'm very grateful for the rain. So Donald Antrim received electroconvulsive therapy. And I'm bringing this up because it is becoming more of a topic again. And you're going to be reading articles, I'm sure, and people will talk about it. And so I, I want to share with you that, you know, we've had someone on the podcast who's had it and reports uh, positive results. But overall, scientifically, there are no long-term studies on ECT and its effects. I have another friend who has had it done. And she lost some of her memory also. Now, the upside is that they said that they no longer felt their, themselves in a state of eternal dying. And that it did play a part in saving them. From Gary to my other friend and Donald Antrim reports that. In his article, uh, Donald Antrim also reports that he insists suicide is not enigmatic, but the result of an illness that requires aggressive medical treatment and community support. For too long, we have turned away, especially from our most vulnerable populations, the homeless, the incarcerated. Antrim urges us to do better. Like anyone afflicted with a life-threatening disease, the suicide wants to live. And I want to highlight that last part, the suicide wants to live, and that we have to be mindful of our daily practices. 
daily. Showing gratitude daily. What are we looking forward to daily? Journaling daily. Exercising or some type of movement, whether it's cooking or dancing, touching our toes, playing with the dog daily. Sleep daily. And what's required for our daily sobriety, so to speak, grounding is going to vary from person to person. Find what works for you and remind yourself that just because you feel better doesn't mean you are better. Tomorrow's going to be another day. Sometimes the, the afternoon feels like another day from the morning. We were killing it and thriving and focused and calm and serene and found tranquility in the morning and then for some reason just became undone in the afternoon. So be mindful of the moments of your breath, of how you're spending your time, of what you're consuming from the news. I just ended my New York Times subscription today. I was looking at the articles and the titles were feel like they gaslight triggering me with words that I've heard way too many times I want to leave you with this Uh, I'm reading Neil deGrasse Tyson's astrophysics for people in a hurry and Page 70 talks about quasars. Quasars are super luminous galaxy cores whose light has typically been traveling for billions of years across space before reaching our telescopes. That means that the light we're seeing today when we look up in the skies at the night has originated billions of years ago. The source of the light that we see today may not even be there. We're just now seeing it, but it it could have already disappeared, obliterated, dissolved. And that's a beautiful thing. And that speaks to you have importance. You matter. The fact that light traveled billions of years so that you could see it. You're looking at something that on some level doesn't even exist anymore, but it found its way to you. And the seeds that you're planting today, you may never get a chance to see it reach its destination. But know that billions of years from now, the thoughts that you put out to the universe, the energy, the work, the love, the generosity, the kindness, that's going to travel for billions of years through the universe. Because that's energy. In this book by Neil deGrasse Tyson, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, he talks about the, the different types of matter that we are, right? How we're made up of helium, hydrogen, and I forget what the other matter is. But we're basically made up of these four 
different pieces of matter. It might be carbon. And But the point is, is that you matter because you're made up of matter. Think about that for a second. You matter because you're made up of matter. You're made up of helium, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. All those are forms of matter. And we're even made up of dark matter. So yes, you matter. You have significance. You have a place in the universe. The fact that you made a sandwich, and by the way, the universe as we know it started about uh, 14 billion years ago. 14 billion years, right? Because the planet wasn't always here. The stars, the sun, none of that was always here. So that sandwich that you made this morning, whatever breakfast you had, theoretically took 14 billion years. How crazy is that? That hug that you gave somebody, the, the forgiveness, your ability to walk. People are like, oh, it only took my kid three months to walk. No, it took your kid 14 billion years to walk. So you matter because you're made up of matter. And don't let anybody else tell you anything else and remind yourself of that. That's why it's so important to study broadly because then it allows us to get a bird's eye perspective of the world, of our life, of meaning, And it also reminds us that we're not alone because we're all made up of the same matter. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other international phone numbers listed in each and every single one of the show notes. Whether you are in Ethiopia, Paris, Finland, Montreal, Texas, Brazil, Alaska, no matter where you are in the world, Shanghai, there are international phone numbers out there for you. You have to pick up the phone. Remember, fire meets fire. Oh, that's not what I wanted to say. Fire feeding on fire. <laughs> so find your fire. It's there. 
Just got to throw some wood in it. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching. With yours truly, let's get to tomorrow together.